So with all these fancy marketing channels we have, still today the most potent form of marketing is the original form of marketing, word of mouth. And in this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, I visit with my friend Jay Bear. He's got a new book called Talk Triggers, a complete guide to creating customers with word of mouth. Check it out. Welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Jay Baer. He's the president of the global consulting firm Convince and Convert. He's also the author of Hug Your Haters and Utility. I think both books that we had uh, him come on the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast and talk about at some point. But he's got a new book with the co-author Daniel Lemon called Talk Triggers, The Complete Guide to Creating Customers with Word of Mouth. So Jay, welcome back. My friend, it is fantastic to be back here with the duct tapers. I appreciate the time. And we should mention at the stop, top of the show here that you are quoted liberally in this book, Talk Triggers, uh, because you are a very smart man. And uh, at some level, it's it's the idea of referrals. And you certainly have a handle on that. And, and so thank you for your contributions to the book. Well, thank you for starting with that, because I had a question queued up here if you if you uh, quoted any smart marketing people. So I guess that was going to be my <laughs> opportunity, but you just did it for me. At, at least one. Uh, no, but you know, it's, it's funny you say that because, you know, this book is about word of mouth and, and word of mouth is not a new idea. It's not like we struck some sort of like plutonium vein. Word of mouth has been around since the first caveman sold a rock to another caveman. And there are a number of good books about word of mouth on the shelves. But but here's the thing that Daniel and I tried to do. We wanted to give people a book that allows you to follow a system to do word of mouth on purpose. A lot of people who are good at word of mouth are kind of good at it on accident. So we're very specific, and and there's a whole framework in this book, a six-step process that any business can use to, to develop a talk trigger, a differentiator that creates word of mouth. And so I think what our contribution to the word of mouth literature will be is, is giving people sort of a thing that they can say, oh, now I can follow some steps and actually do this as opposed to just say, yes, word of mouth is important. You know, it's funny, until you said that, I hadn't really thought about it. Word of mouth is probably the original channel, right? It is the it is the only channel. I mean, back, you know, imagine, uh, you know, be, before you had uh, Papyrus or, uh, you know, or Hulu uh, or, or Snapchat, uh, you know, word of mouth was, was the only game in town. And you actually, I've heard you and seen you define a talk trigger as a strategic operational differentiator that compels word of mouth. So you want to unpack that? Yeah. I mean, a talk trigger is is not marketing. Maybe we should just end the show right there. It is not marketing. It's not marketing. It is an operational choice that creates a marketing advantage. It is something that you do differently, not something that you say differently. So I'll give you a quick example, if I may. Uh, one of my favorite examples uh, from the book is a, a restaurant in Sacramento, California called Skip's Kitchen. Skip's is a counter service restaurant. So you go to the counter and you order two patty melts and chocolate shake and onion rings, and they bring your food to your table when it's ready. Pretty simple concept. These guys have a line to get in almost every day. They were just named the 29th best hamburger restaurant in the U.S. by USA Today newspaper. Yet, John, they've never spent a penny on advertising in the 10 years they've been open. They're able to do this because they have made an operational choice. They have a talk trigger. They have a differentiator that creates conversation. Here's how it works. Before you pay, you're at the counter, you, you make your order. Before you reach for your wallet, they say, hey, 
John, I got something for you to try. And they whip out a deck of cards from under the counter. And they fan the cards out face down in front of you. And they say, John, pick a card. And and you select a card. And if you get a joker, your entire meal is free, whether it's just for yourself or for the entire soccer team that you just ordered for. Now, on average, three people a day win. And when they win, they go crazy. They're taking patty melt selfies and they're calling their mom and it's all kinds of social media and a high school marching band plays. It's very exciting. But that's what propels this business forward. People tell that story over and over and over, so much so that even though there's a big neon sign out front that says Skip's Kitchen, people in Sacramento typically call it that Joker restaurant. It's a choice, right? It's an operational decision that they made that creates marketing. But it's not a it's not a contest. It's not a coupon. It's not a campaign. It's not a promotion. It's none of those things that we typically associate with marketing. It's not even content. It is an operational choice. I'm going to give you an example of a much simpler example. Um, my, my wife bought a piece of clothing from a, you know, kind of an indie place, you know, not a mail order catalog that you would know. <laughs> um, and she brought it home and put it on the first time, put her hands in it. It was a sweater or something, uh, outer garment. And she put her hands in the pocket and, she, and there was a piece of paper in there. She pulled out a piece of paper and it said, you are a goddess. Um, <laughs> and I just, nice. I, I have talked about that to so many people. That's because really good. What a simple That's a really thing, good one. <laughs> you know, to do. Yes. And, and, you know, it's not, you know, we're not shouting and taking, I, in fact, I did take a picture of that, of course, and share it on social media. Yes. But, yes. uh, but it, it's, it, it can be simple things, can't it? It can. It actually should be simple things. One of the tenets of the book, Talk Triggers, is that it has to be reasonable. Sometimes in marketing, we want to go for the big, right? We want to do surprise and delight. We want to do this whole huge crazy thing because we're, it's so competitive and attention is hard to come by. And so we feel like the way to get attention is to do something dramatic and bold and crazy. And that can work, right? Surprise and delight can work, but it's not a strategy, right? Surprise and delight is not a word of mouth strategy. It's a lottery ticket, right? It's a publicity stunt. So what I love about your idea uh, with with uh, your goddess piece of paper is that it really meets two of the conditions uh, that we talk about in the book. One, it's reasonable, right? It's a small thing. And two, it's repeatable. I presume that every garment uh, that they sell has that piece of paper or some piece of paper. And it's not just every once in a while or just on Thursdays or on your birthday. Everybody who orders at Skip's Kitchen gets a chance to play the Joker game. And so talk triggers must be repeatable as well as reasonable. So talk a little bit about, you mentioned it, but talk a little bit about the research that went into mm. kind of your conclusions. We did uh, four different research projects for this book, actually. We did a national study of the impact of word of mouth on purchases and voting behavior. That study is called Chatter Matters, which was actually released today uh, out of media embargo. And that's got all kinds of, of charts and graphs and, and data points. One of my favorite... <laughs> One of my favorite findings in that piece of research, John, is that 66% of Americans would trust an anonymous online review more than they would trust a recommendation from an ex-boyfriend, which I think is which I think is genius, right? Uh, so so we, word of mouth matters unless it's your ex, and then it doesn't matter at all. Well, you know, so, you bring up a great point, though, because, I mean, look how many people are making decisions, you know, be, because behavior of looking at reviews, which is some form oh, of word of mouth, has become so prevalent that, huge. you know. And you have no idea who this person that's is. That's right. That's right. 
and but we don't care. Uh, we're like, if it's on the internet, it must be true. So we did we did the Chatter Matters research. We did a, a bunch of social media, deep social listening research uh, around individual talk triggers and, and how much they surface in social uh, media uh, conversations. And then we did two deep, deep, deep studies on two of the organizations that we profiled in the book, one on Doubletree Hotels and one on the Cheesecake Factory Restaurant uh, to examine how effective their specific talk triggers are at generating chatter amongst their customers. So for example, uh, listeners may know that the Doubletree Hotel chain gives you a warm chocolate chip cookie when you check in. They've been doing that every day for 30 years. Each day now, they they hand out 75,000 warm chocolate chip cookies per day. It's a lot of cookies. Well, we talked to uh, 1,001 Doubletree customers and found that 34% of them have mentioned, without being asked, have mentioned that cookie to somebody else in the prior 60 days, which means that approximately every day, 25,500 people mention the cookie, which is one of the many reasons why you don't see much advertising from Doubletree because the cookie is their advertising. See, the best way to grow any business is for your customers to grow it for you. You know that. You've written about that extensively. I could not agree more. The problem is everybody knows that to be true, but then they don't give their customers a story to tell. A talk trigger is the story that you want your customers to tell one another, and everybody can do it. They just need to figure it out and go do it. You know, it's interesting, as I heard you talk about that, uh, of course, the, I won't call it a danger necessarily, but once you come up with a talk trigger, you have to commit to it, right? Because I mean, imagine if yes. you went to that double tree and the cookies were cold or just weren't there, or somebody said, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. I mean, it almost has the opposite effect, doesn't it? Absolutely. That's why it really is an operational choice. And one of the things we talk about in the book is how important it is to get everybody in your organization, large or small, on the same page. So while it's common that talk triggers and word of mouth programs like this will initiate with marketing, everybody's got to be on the same page, sales, operations, customer service, because everybody's got to pull on the same rope here for this to for this to happen uh, and for it to, to be delivered consistently. So let's you, since you mentioned operational, um, I'm going to use the S word system uh, for mm-hmm. this. And you have a very nice, tidy four, five, six system. And again, I'm not going to ask you to spell out every aspect of that, but let's talk about the four. No, let's go with five. Let's go with the five types yep. of talk triggers. It helps, I think, to have this taxonomy to think about what are we trying to achieve here? Because a talk trigger is really just something that defies expectations. And in fact, in the process, one of the things that that we really recommend is doing some research of your current customers to determine what it is that they expect. Because if you know what they expect, then you know what they don't expect, right? And that's really the raw materials for your talk trigger. So there's five different types, five ways that you can execute a talk trigger. The first one and the most common one is talkable generosity, where you're more generous than your customers expect. Free cookies uh, at Doubletree is certainly an example of that. Winning a free meal at Skip's Kitchen, if you pull a joker, is an example of talkable generosity. That's the one you see the most in the wild, John, because it's the easiest to implement uh, in, in your operations. Another one is talkable responsiveness. This is where you're faster than your customers expect. This can have tremendous um, uh, winning benefits for your organization. It is perhaps the hardest one to do, though, because expectations around a speed get higher and higher and higher every year. So what was fast three years ago is average today. So that was a tough one to stick, but when you can do it, it works really, really well. The third one is talkable empathy, which frankly wouldn't have even been in the book three years ago, because as you well know, 
treating customers with empathy, with humanity, with kindness was the default state in business for the entirety of my career and yours until recently. But I think I can say now without any degree of uh, irony that we are now in an era of empathy deficit. We're both in politics and in life and in business. Um, the default state is no longer uh, kindness and, and and warmth and humanity. And so when you can still play that game, right, when you can still treat your customers disproportionately well, it actually is disproportionate at this point, and it can create a lot of chatter and and really be a winning uh, word of mouth strategy for your business. So that's talkable empathy. The fourth one is talkable usefulness. We are more useful than your customers expect you to be, similar to the book I wrote called Utility. Some of those same ideas are in that one. And the fifth one is um, talkable attitude. Uh, which is my co-author Daniel Lemon's favorite category. And that's when you just do things a little different, right? You're just a little askew, a little askance. You're just a little wacky, a little wild. Like there's a, one of my favorite case studies. It's not in the book because we learned about it afterwards. There's a, a bar in Great Falls, Montana, which is uh, out of the way, even by Montana standards. This bar was just named one of the top 10 bars to fly to by GQ magazine in Great Falls, Montana. Here's their talk trigger. Every night between 9 p.m. and midnight, they have a giant aquarium behind the bar. Live human mermaids swim behind the bar from 9 to midnight. Now, you cannot possibly go to that bar and not have a conversation with somebody about that afterwards. That is a good talk trigger. So what's interesting is I wrote all these down. I mean, none of them say you're more active on Facebook or that you have great ads, Mm. right? I mean, they're, you know, they're all operational things. In a lot of ways. Yes. Or, or culture, yes. culture things, maybe. You know, we would say some of them, but I, I, I think uh, it really hammers that point home. Huh? There's, there's two things there. One, it's important to know that the research shows, and this is research from uh, engagement labs, that 50% of word of mouth is offline. And 50% of word of mouth is almost exactly the same, is online, social review sites, et cetera. Now, our research in Chatter Matters shows that the impact of offline word of mouth, like you and I talking right now on Skype or an email between the two of us or a face-to-face conversation, has more impact than a social media recommendation just because the nature of, of you know th- that relationship in one-on-one. But half and half, offline versus online. And then the other thing is you talked about you know, Facebook ads or anything else. That's where the sixth step in the process where you have to amplify your trigger comes into play. So if you've got a talk trigger, what you want to do, not all the time because then it gets a little yucky, but every once in a while, you just want to remind people. You just want to connect the dots for them. So one of the examples we use in the book that I think is really um, – uh, it's it just very intuitive is Krispy Kreme Donuts. Right, so Krispy Kreme Donuts has um, hot donuts, right? They just make them right off the assembly line. But in every single Krispy Kreme location, they have a giant blinking red neon sign that says "Hot Now." They have a Hot Now light, right? And when you see that light driving by, you're like, "Oh yeah, fresh donuts." That's their talk trigger. That's their thing, right? So they use the sign to remind you of their differentiator. And, and that's a good way to do it. That's where you use social and other forms of advertising and marketing to, to just remind people that you do have something that's a little different. So I'm imagining some listeners sitting around going, gosh darn it, that Jay is so smart. We need to do that. Let's create a viral stampede into our business, right? Remember everybody first started mm-hmm. talking about viral videos and stuff that yep. they wanted to create. How do you really authentically create? I mean, you know, if we if if it was a simple saying, let's do a truck talk trigger and you know the world will 
you know, beat a path to our door, you know, everybody would do it. So how do you do it in a way, how do you at least brainstorm to start coming up with what would be your authentic talk trigger? We don't really think of, of talk triggers as a, as a virality mechanism. Uh, because when I think viral, I think, I think fast growth, rapid spread. And that's not what a talk trigger does. Talk trigger does consistent, reliable spread over time. A talk trigger is a word of mouth strategy. A viral campaign is a lottery ticket. It's you know it's not the same thing, right? You you may have a similar impact, but but once your viral thing is over, what do you have left? You have the memories of your viral thing. Uh, Double trees have the same talk trigger, the warm chocolate chip cookie, for thirty years. Thirty years, right? So it's a it's a different kind of way of of thinking about it. But the first step. The first step in the whole thing is to understand your customers better. So we really recommend that people looking to implement a talk trigger do some interviews with customers, specifically new customers, longtime customers, and ideally lost customers. And, and what you want to do is take your customer journey map, sort of the different inflection points that you have with each customer, and then you say, okay, at this step, when we sent you a proposal, what did you expect would happen? And then you just write all that stuff down. And when you do that, what you have is an expectation map. Because once you know what they expect, then you can figure out what they don't expect. That seems like something everybody ought to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it really it's a good point, right? Um, you know, it seems like it seems like a good even if you're not gonna build it into a word of mouth strategy, it's probably good information to have. How what's the danger of your talk trigger being copyable? You know, I mean, I can make it is a danger. Chip, yeah, chocolate it, it happens cookies, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you would think in most cases, right, you would think that if you're going to roll it out, you would know if it's already in the market, right? So so you would know like, hey, somebody's already doing this, so maybe we should or shouldn't. But sometimes you roll one out and then everybody's like, hey, that is a great idea. And then they rush in and copy you and no, now it no longer works. So the example of that we use in the book is uh, Weston Hotels. So you may remember, John, this is – I don't even know how many years it was. I'm going to say five. Maybe it's longer. Weston came out with this thing called the heavenly bed and they put a ton of money into trying to convince us all that they had the best beds in all of hotel land. Well, then Hilton Gardner did the same thing and Marriott did the same thing and Hyatt did the same thing and somebody else got the sleep number bed. I think it was Hyatt. Uh, so then everybody's got like a fancy bed. And so then their talk trigger no longer worked, right? They, they basically just got co-opted out of it. And so that sometimes happens. It is, it is a danger, which is why in the process of talk trigger ideation, we always recommend coming up with five to eight ideas. And then you score those ideas on a matrix we created, which is 50% talkability, like how, how interesting is it? And 50% viability, like how operationally difficult is it to execute? And then if one gets stolen, right, your competitors say they match you and you can't do it anymore. Then you go back to the list and you just try another one. So we've sort of been talking about what I would call core talk trigger for you know mm -hmm. an operational core talk trigger for a business. Theoretically, couldn't a product or a service or even a person have a talk trigger? Yes, uh, definitely a person, no question. And and there's a lot of personal branding, quote unquote, uh, implications for this work. No question about it. At the product level, yes. However, you have to make sure that if you've got, let's say, three different talk triggers, one for each of your three main product lines, that if all three of those stories get told, it doesn't confuse anybody or they do not create um, conflict or some lack of congruity. So you you just have to make sure that if you're going to roll out a talk trigger for a division or a product, that that if you're going to have multiple 
that it all kind of adds up because you don't want to end up having your stories fighting against one another. Yeah, and it might just be that if that's ingrained in the culture, it may just actually be a design decision that goes, you know, I, I would, cliche as it is to say, I would like to think sometimes at least one point in their life, Apple had that, that, that they sort of intentionally built a talk trigger maybe even into the design of their product, but that was sort of based on their overarching aesthetic. Yeah, and that's where that's where you sort of get this Venn diagram of talk trigger versus what is actually your brand, right? So, so for example, um, on the DoubleTree side, right? So the the warm chocolate chip cookie is the talk trigger, but their brand positioning is the warm welcome. Even within the pantheon of the 14 Hilton brands, DoubleTree's thing is the warm welcome. They put a tremendous amount of time and effort on staff training and lobby design to sort of own that 10 minutes between when you walk into the hotel between then and when you walk into your room. So that gap, that 10 minutes is what they want to own. And so the cookie ceremony makes a lot of sense in that context. Jay Bear, I could talk to you all day long, but I better let you go. But we are talking about Talk Triggers, the complete guide to creating customers with word of mouth. Jay, where can people find out more about what you're up to? If they go to talktriggers.com slash duct tape, talktriggers.com slash duct tape, uh, we built you a little landing page for your listeners. We're going to give you the six-step guide to how to build your own talk trigger. Because I want people to do this. And when you do it, please let me know because we're always looking for new examples. So the book, of course, has a lot more detail. But if you just want the cheat sheet, go to talktriggers.com slash duct tape, download the six-step process guide, and get started tomorrow. And that'll be, of course, in the show notes. And you know, kind of on a final note, I, I, I won't say this was intentional. I, I didn't think this was a talk trigger, but people over the years have have responded to the name of my business, Duct Tape Marketing, as a bit of a talk trigger. Oh, absolutely. And it would be so simple for you to lean into that skid, right? And and do something uh, with duct tape or, or what have you to sort of accentuate that differentiator. Absolutely. So, uh, Jay, thanks for joining us. And I know I'm going to see you uh, soon. This, uh, the, this book's out in September of 2018, depending upon when you're listening to this. Um, uh, go check out Talk Trigger. So, Jay, we'll see you soon on the road. Thanks, my friend. 